listening to The Currency Welcome. I'm your host, Mike Gaston. I'm a brand and marketing strategist. This podcast is all about the power and creativity of human beings as expressed and applied to private industry. Today, I'm joined by Dave Benetti. He's a principal at SWBR. They are a design firm that specializes in architecture based here in the Rochester area, but has a a broad reach. Dave, thank you so much for joining me today on The Currency. Mike, I always love getting together with you because we have great conversations. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Dave, you have been a friend of mine. We've known each other for a at long least, time. <laughs> at least 10, if not more, probably more than 10 years. And we met through the homeschool world. You were a homeschooling dad. Oh, yeah. As, as were uh, my wife and I also homeschoolers. I think we probably met either on the soccer field or somewhere like that. Yeah, any one of a number of classes or academies or get-togethers or picnics. or yeah. I mean, we had yeah. more things that we did. It was amazing. Yeah, it's amazing now that the kids are all either in college or graduated or yeah. married or you're a grandfather. Yeah, many times. Yeah, <laughs> so congratulations. So I want to talk today a little bit about your journey into the firm. You've been a principal at the firm for quite a while. SWBR, 50 years old, celebrating 50 years. Before we get into kind of your career, tell us a little bit about SWBR. What does SBR, SWBR do and who does it do it for? Well, that's a really good question, and we would have answered it differently maybe 10 or 15 years ago. And part of it has to do, I think, with the generational changes that have taken place in our industry. As classically, designers are problem solvers. Mm. We love to solve problems. And it doesn't matter what design arena you're in, you're solving problems. We happen to solve problems in the built environment, okay. typically. And that is a very broad brush description, but it is, in fact, true, the built environment. We do now a lot of different things, and we used to do the same things, but we defined ourselves only as architects, and we see ourselves as much broader than that today. Although we have multiple disciplines in-house that can do lots of different things, from interior design to structural engineering to planning and landscape architecture and graphic design and architecture, all of, those, all of those various disciplines, we see them now being far more integrated than ever before for lots of different reasons. College courses today are so much more cross-functional. The silos from when I went to school in 19, the 70s, the silos were pretty clear. Mm. You know, that's not true anymore. And so our up-and-coming class of staff don't see themselves classically as just being bounded in any one of those disciplines. They see themselves holistically. Mm. So we are, we see ourselves now as a design firm, and that's the big difference. We do all those things, but we now, when we talk about, when somebody says, what, what do you all do? My elevator speech, if I really want to get somebody interested, I'll say, we make dreams come true by positively impacting people through meaningful design. And they say, you make dreams come true? (laughs) And I'll say, well, yeah, in the built environment, if you have a dream for what could be, we help you bring it to reality. You help materialize it, make it a real thing. Yeah, exactly. It's interesting, this concept of the holistic approach. You know, when I owned my agency, the design firm, 
Uh, and this was a graphic design firm, so we were focused on, as you know, graphic design, things like branding, packaging, et cetera. We kind of realized the same thing, that, um, that our discipline lived on the same family tree as mechanical engineers, as architects, as uh, industrial designers. We were just right. focused on a very specific aspect of, of um, media, I guess, or, or solutions, which would be around the visual. Uh, but we realized it's really all about problem solving. So what what drove that kind of holistic view? You talked about when you were in university that it was very siloed. What, is there a dynamic that you can point to or a watershed kind of understanding that drove that understanding? Uh, well, I think it's a combination of, of vectors that kind of all cross at a center point. Generationally, we're... Our staff is, as a lot of corporations and organizations are, more, they're more entrepreneurial today than they've ever been. They're obviously younger than uh, I am at this point in my career. They think differently. They want to leave an impact, a meaningful impact on the world that is deeper and broader than just simply the work of their hands. Like what's my job versus what work am I, what am I producing versus what is my job? Yeah, and getting to that question that, you know, Sinek talked about is, Simon is the Sinek. whole issue of yeah. what's my why. why don't, yeah, what's my why. He's that, fantastic. <laughs> right? Yeah. That yeah. has had a huge influence sure. on us in the last 10 to 15 years. It's a great question, and it's an introspective question. I think that it's a, it's a, existential question as well, that people need to struggle with that. Of course, I, given, given my faith basis and my faith background, I, all of my why springs from my faith. Okay. And it's informed by my faith. Not necessarily everybody has that same foundation and that basis. And so they're, they, need to, they need to define for themselves what their why is. And we're finding more and more and more and more that in a very positive way, our young folks, our staff who have been with us for years, are seeing that they personally are rewarded the most by positively impacting and benefiting other people, by leaving a legacy. And legacy is becoming so much more important now than it ever was. Hmm. I think that, those vectors all kind of come across. and bring this to life yeah. in a new way. I can see that as you're talking about it. And I also, I also wonder, this is more on a tactical level, but the tools and the ability to use tools, I think, has gotten a lot easier. Meaning, if I wanted to be uh, an architect, maybe I didn't have... Um, uh, I, I'm going to spend a lot of time learning to do drafting. There's a lot of like uh, hand skills, years and years at a table learning how to be good with certain tools. Now with the digitization of a lot of tools, it's a lot easier. For, you know, software interfaces look the same across a bunch of different apps. They're intuitive. I'm not saying that anybody can be an architect. I'm just saying that the tools, the time to learn and use tools seems to be shorter. Whereas if you want to do video, you had to really be good at all these different analog video things. Now one of your architects can grab a camera and shoot a really nice video pretty quickly. Now you're a videographer. Maybe you're not going to win a, an award at Cannes, but you can put out content. Right. And the content communicates. 
And it so, doesn't have to be completely refined. So it allows the, the, the designer to be freed up a little bit to say, I solve problems and have various tools and platforms at my disposal that I can leverage to do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It, it's what's, The tools are never going to replace the, the need to be able to think yeah. <laughs> as a problem solver and to think creatively. And so we put a lot of emphasis on being able to still put ideas on paper yeah. and be able to, um, you know, whether it's a sketch or whether it's a quick idea, a lot of the tools that are digital are, are excellent and they can be used to bring that to life. Mm -hmm. But you still have, whether you want to call it uh, eye-hand coordination as would be in sports, it's a similar sort of, of thinking and hand thinking and problem solving coordination that still has to take place. So, so critical thinking for us is, is really uh, the essential element that we have to have. Sure. You know, I wasn't going to bring this up, but you mentioned it. And uh, I'm just curious to hear, you, you mentioned your faith and obviously knowing each other, I, I know where you're coming from, from a spiritual perspective, but I'm curious to hear how does your why, like what is your why, and how does that connect to the work that you do here? Would you mind sharing that? Because clearly this is something you've thought through. I, yeah, I've thought through it and probably articulated differently every single time okay. somebody <laughs> asks me the question. So uh, it's not scripted by any means. The, you know, my, my faith springs from my trust and faith that I place in God as my, and I see as the creator God. Uh-huh. The master designer. <laughs> right. And for what I do, and for other people who are in the design profession, that's not lost. You know, we, we take that seriously. I take that seriously. That uh, design can be meaningful, thoughtful, and, and be inspired by wisdom. Mm -hmm. and, and so for me... My faith leads me to a strong belief that I have a stewardship and, and as a fiduciary responsibility to steward the earth and to steward resources, <clears throat> to steward time, mm -hmm. to steward and protect other people, to care for them. And, in all, and what I do, uh, you know, my license talks about uh, the, my responsibilities in the state— from a license standpoint, health, safety, and welfare. But beyond that, it inspires me to the highest aspirational level of service. And so I seek to serve by taking my gifts and giving them away mm. with an open hand rather than holding them in and to serve others by using the talents, gifts, and capabilities I have. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's a faith-based relationship to what I do in my profession. And so in the design and creative arena, uh, it even more connects because of, you know, my belief in, the, in a creation model as opposed to any other model. And I support that and believe that we all can uh, evidence our giftings, what we've been given, not what we've 
earned, but mm -hmm. what we've been given by giving that away. In and a creative capacity, potentially. In a creative capacity, no matter what your profession is. Sure. It really doesn't, frankly, matter whether yeah. you're a CPA or lawyer or your doctor yeah. or you're somebody who's who's doing other jobs, carpentry. And yeah. it, you know, this is a service yeah. and to it, humanity. And all those things have the opportunity to be creative. We don't always see creativity uh, when we look at something, but often there's a lot of creativity that goes into business. And I, the only thing is the CPAs have to be careful that their creative accounting doesn't, yeah, doesn't right. go out of a generally accepted practice. But, but yeah, I, creative but accounting, your I suppose, is not But right your point's either. well taken, because it does take some creativity as an accountant to sit down with a client and say, look, we've got a problem in front of us. How do we navigate this? And, and there's some uh, ingenuity and creativity that has Absol to come to the table. No question about yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. And what I like about the, the kind of model you're sharing for yourself is there's room for folks uh, to participate in that model that don't share the same faith. They could just come and say, I've never even really thought about religion. I'm not anti-religious. I'm not pro. But, but I like the idea of being a good steward. I like the idea of solving problems for other human beings. I like taking my gifts, talents, and skills and leveraging them to, to create good things. So there's, it's not exclusive, which is kind of nice. At the same time, it's rooted in a truth that you understand. It's not like you're being fluffy or soft, but it's, uh, it's generous, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So without uh, going much further with that, let's talk a little bit about your pathway into architecture. You mentioned that you were in school back in the 70s, uh, so you've been at this for a couple of years, it sounds like. You kind of know what you're doing, I think. <laughs> I, I actually am just beginning to think that I kind of know what I'm doing. All right. It's, I'm still <laughs> learning. It's a lifetime of learning. What, what made you choose to go this route? How did you choose architecture over something else as a young man? I think, that, you know, tactile, uh, building things, uh, constructing things, sketching, artwork, uh, probably more right brain th than left. I was not the, the sort of person that necessarily was gravitating toward techni technical engineering type things and problem solving and you know, I have friends who were really amazing at uh, at math and the technical sciences like physics. And where I appreciate those, and architects really do need to understand, they need to be generalists. The best architects are generalists. They know a little bit about everything mm. because it's so critical to blend in with problem solving. But it was clear that I was more given to uh, the creative side. And so, frankly, you know, no different than a lot of kids today, guidance counselors and others are sitting and talking with you and suggesting things. And I raised my hand for architecture and got involved at the time with an explorer post. Explorer okay, posts sure. still exist. Yeah. And uh, took part in an, one of the explorer posts here locally in Rochester. And the interesting thing is that the, the explorer post leaders were probably only, they were probably only six or seven years older than me, and they now are my peer, my my collegial peers. I know them, and we are good buddies and friends. And I see them. That's amazing. And uh, yeah. and I'll remind them, you know, about <laughs> how they were important in shepherding me through and into the sure. industry. And so they they really ignited the fire at that time. And I think explorer programs are critical in helping a young person sort out what their bent is. Yeah. You know, every kid has you know, a couple of events that they need to search and find. And 
that sort of a program is a really great way to do that. I, I agree. In fact, there's a book uh, called Range that came out well within a year or so ago. I forget. Um, I forget the author's name, but essentially his argument is we're asking young people too early to make a decision. And the best way to figure out what you want to do in life is to do a lot of different things. And sometimes you'll feel like you're falling behind. I'm doing all these different things, but everybody else is focused. But what happens is once you find that sweet spot that fits who you are, you often leap further ahead. But the Explorer post was kind of a a prototype of that that range model where you get to try different things. So that's that's amazing. And and, and today's uh, one of today's uh, analogies that we see is makerspace. Oh yeah, that's a good. The yep. makerspace is that didn't exist back then. Yeah. But again, this is access to tools. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And and experimenting, trying things, yep. and seeing where I gravitate to. What do I really love? Because they again the crossover, the nexus between passion. And gifts and, and what I love to do, you know, I got to find that between those three vectors. If I can sure. find that center point, I'll never work a day in my life. I'll just be doing what I love to do. So a lot of folks become architects, designers, uh, engineers, etc. They might work in a company and never become a principal. They might never take on the responsibility of running a firm. SWBR, pretty good size firm. Uh, in fact, share a few details, like how many employees, offices, et cetera. <clears throat> well, we've got a couple of offices. We're in Syracuse and we're in Rochester. We, we were founded here in 69, 50 years ago now. We're kind of 51. The, the, um, our census is going up. We've got more people coming in over the next couple of weeks. So we're pushing. We're over 105. We're going to be probably 106, 107. So, yeah. And that's... You know, when I joined the firm 40 years ago, we were 20 okay. people, maybe. Yep. And um, a very different sort of cultural mentality at that point. And we have morphed, changed, adapted, uh, modified uh, through the years and worked hard to define our culture, worked really hard to define our culture and to know who we are. Mm-hmm. And we've had to do a lot of exploration. We've had to have a lot of town hall meetings, so to speak, and gather everybody around the table and listen to everybody because we are the sum of our parts. We, you know, if you're a sole practitioner, it's one thing. But if, you're, if you've got a, a lot of people on a big team, it's, it has to be a team mentality. It has to be something that's carved out and created together. So we've spent a lot of time on that. Uh, and so going from 20 people to over 100, it's a, it's a big change. And it's all about taking care of people hmm. and caring more about, frankly, I say, I say to people that when there are stresses and strains in the realities of people's lives, I'll say that, that people are more important than projects. You are more important than the work we're doing here. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's solve your problem before we solve the work problem. Kind of gets at Maslow's hierarchy. You can't do good work anyway if you've got issues that you're struggling with. So if we can help you That's right. resolve those, then you're going to be freed up to focus and do your best work as well. So there's a kind of a virtuous cycle there. Well, we're, the reason I, I shifted to how many folks are in the company, that I, where I was going with this is to say, you know, you are, you're not currently, but you served for quite a while as the president and CEO of the organization. You were a chairman of the board of the organization. So you didn't just come in and say, hey, I want to be an architect. Oh, I became a principal because I'm mature and I've been around a while. You took 
responsibility? How, how long were you running the organization as president? Uh, I, I think I was in that role for around 16 years, okay. maybe. Okay. And um, before that, there were the founding folks who were, you know, there was president then. And so there's been generational transfer. So we're probably in our sixth generation, so mm -hmm. to speak, of mm -hmm. kind of handing things off. Well, the reason I bring all this up is to say, okay, on one hand, you say, look, I went through some explorer opportunities. I had these kind of bents, as you said, and so I, I navigated, I kind of found myself in this track to become an architect. But there's another track that you've been on, which is a track of responsibility, of leadership, as you talked about, uh, building people, uh, growing a team, and not just adding numbers, but really growing a team. Did, was there a point in your career where you realized, I, I want to do more than just be a good architect, that I want to lead people? Or did that just kind of happen organically, and now you're looking back saying, wow, look at all this stuff I did? Uh, wow. That's, it's, you know, I don't know that there was any one time. I, I think part of it had to do with realizing I really didn't know what I was doing and it being willing to admit that. Okay. And not just necessarily as an architect, who, and I am continuing to learn uh, as an architect constantly and new things and new ideas, but also recognizing that it was hard to um, caretake for people mm. because everybody has a different story. Mm -hmm. Life is messy at times. Not mine, Dave. Yeah, well, probably not <laughs> But I mean, I'm, I'm so yeah. special, aren't I? <laughs> yeah, you are. No question about it. Let me it. get my... Wife on the well, your wife phone. is special, yeah, right? She, she's a saint. <laughs> but won't go. <laughs> uh, but I, I think that there was a, a lot of recognition that uh, we were messy, we were struggling. Our some of our leadership relationships were not good. We needed help. We reached out for help rather than you know uh, deciding to. Throw the towel in. We sought help here locally. We got some good executive coaching. We listened. We had to make changes of our, in our personal lives as far as how we dealt with people. And we had to be willing to, uh, you know, have, a, have enough humility to recognize that we, we certainly aren't perfect and we certainly can uh, improve who we are individually as as people. And so a lot of uh, willingness to ask forgiveness and say, I'm sorry. Um, it's been a learning experience, sure. it's, you know, and uh, you said earlier that uh, pe people can't do their best work unless they're doing well personally themselves. And pe people are spherical. They're not f flat and they're not linear. What do you mean by that? In, in, I, I see it more spherically in that the entire composition of a person, their soul, spirit, intellect, has numerous parts and pieces. And I can't, I don't see them ever laying flat on the table because the sphere allows all of those pieces to touch. And I think that's the critical piece of it that sometimes people miss is that they all influence one another. Mm. And knowing that for myself and then under, looking at other people and understanding that they have a their lives are like a sphere and all of the aspects of it are 
just as important as mine are, and I need to give them space and give them room. And a lot of times I don't do that well. I, I get that. I, you have to be totally honest with you. I don't get it right a lot of times. But um, it's, it's complicated. Running a business and being in business successfully is not easy. <laughs> no, yeah, no doubt. You know, doing, I mean, just doing a task is one thing. But being successful in business where people, people come through the business and retire or what's what I sometimes say is graduate and have them be better, mm-hmm. more full, more complete than when they started is, is hard to do. But it's certainly a goal that we have. And it's, I respect that in, in maybe the unspoken piece here that, that adds another layer of complexity is you also have to be profitable. You have to thrive. You have to do great work. I mean, there's the, there's the hard aspect of business. And I think it's easy to kind of shift between one or the other. We're all about being successful in the money. Or on the other hand, we just want to love everybody and uh, we'll let the other stuff go. And, and there's, I think it's hard to balance those things, to, to build that team, to have the culture, have people focused on the things that matter so that the business can be there tomorrow. And at the same time, be caring and loving and saying, how do we help you become a better version of yourself? Not that we're crit- criticizing, just how do we help you realize who you can be in a way that's wholesome? Dave, let's talk a little bit about this, um, you know, using meaningful design to impact lives. I mean, we're, I think we're kind of circling around this anyway, but just unpack that a little bit. What does that look like on a day-to-day basis? It's a great tagline. I think it's, um, it's interesting. It makes you beg the question in the elevator speech, what are you talking about? What does that look like on a day-to-day basis? That goes beyond just what I would expect from an architect and a design team. Yeah, they... We worked hard to get that mission sorted out. We had a lot of words on the wall and a lot of writing that, you know, we, it just wasn't right. It didn't capture what we were talking about for ourselves. It wasn't capturing our heart. So we ultimately boiled it down to really those two things of positively impacting people. We want to lift an individual and groups of individuals to a higher level in their lives, that they are inspired, that they are respected, that they are um, more successful in some fashion by virtue of the work we do. And we want our design to be meaningful in that it is... um, I'll use the word guileless. You you would know what the word guile means because of one of the Bible stories that talks about, you know, Jesus sees Zacchaeus in the tree and he says, come down, here's a man. With no guile. With yeah. no guile. Yeah. He's, he's, he's truthfully, it's kind of the essence of... Now, he was a tax collector. I, I mean, he, he was, was kind of a schmucky guy for society's standards, but Jesus, which I think was the really crazy thing is tax collectors were reviled as they are today <laughs> but he knew his heart exactly which is really interesting right yeah and without ever having met him and uh but it's this it's honest it's honest design i don't even know how to say it it's 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 so truthful and so honest there's and no so, manipulation there's, cor- right 
And I, I think when we get it right, and it's really the, as meaningful as it can be, it flips over to that other side, and it has an amazing impact on people. So this goes back for me, because you're kind of, I'm envisioning you're talking about an aesthetic almost that you, so meaning if you're saying we're problem solvers and we're designers and we want to do work that really impacts human beings, then our designs are all about solving human being human problems, elevating human experience, elevating uh, humans' abilities to do whatever they're trying to do. That's going to show up in the aesthetic of the design. If you look at the design, you're going to say this is a very pure, honest, guileless design, ultimately. So that's your kind of your goal. Yeah, and the function, you know, will. You know, I don't want to get into the, the famous old, form follows right, function. Yes, right, of what course. building that was in Chicago? There was a famous. Yeah, uh, right. I, yeah. I knew that guy once. The uh, yeah. the, but yes, I mean, there's truth to that as well because if the function isn't right, that's coming out of like the Baroque and all that stuff, where the form was just all over. And the place. there are evidences of this yeah. sort of design <laughs> all around the yeah, world. Yeah, we certainly haven't cornered the market by any means, but. It inspires but us. There's a to, philosophical underpinning for what you're doing, and yeah, I think that brings some depth to it. I would say, and it, and so toward that end, breathing that into a kid who's three years out of college is is part of our work. You yeah. know, we need to be somehow communicating that in a way that it resonates with their soul and who they are as people. And I think that's what's going on here is yeah. the people who are here really, they do get it. They're attracted to that. It's a phrase. And the ones that don't, they kind of say, hey, this isn't for me. Yeah, and that's okay, may. right? Yeah, I they mean, may. That's right. You know, I wish three years into my career, I was in a place that said, hey, look, we're, we get out of bed for a deeper reason. Well, we would do great work, and it informs our great work. But, you know, it's a, I think that's a wonderful opportunity. I do think, too, I mean, you, you have millennials as children, as do I. Uh, there's an expectation with this generation that the work means a little bit more. Yeah, sure. I, we I, were willing to put up with a little bit more guff just yeah, to make a paycheck. I suppose. Maybe. I, I suppose. <laughs> but the, these, the folks, what we would label as millennials, who I love, and I don't have any negative things to say about what often gets labeled on them. They're exciting. They're energetic. They're entrepreneurial. They're thinking outside the box. They're they breaking the rap. norms. Yeah. They're, they get a bad they're, rap. They're yeah. exciting. No, yeah. I, I, I love bringing in some of these young people. Yeah. They're phenomenal. And we, we hire hard. You know, we take yeah. a lot of time to yeah. make sure that what we're doing is best for them. Sure. Because, you know, they make a choice to come here. Well, if it isn't the right choice, now they got to leave. That's hard to do. So yeah. we really want to make sure, and we spend a lot of time with them to make sure that they feel comfortable with the decision they're making. Sure, sure. Dave, let me ask you, what is it that you're most proud of? Uh, you, you guys have done a lot of work over the years that you've been here. You've had this transformation transition, both in the size and scope of the business, the deeper philosophy as you've dug down deeper and tried to identify, articulate it, and orient the business around that. Um, what are you most proud of when it comes to SWBR or your career here at the organization? Um, I, I See, I'm asking this after you told me about the humbling process. Yeah. Right now. I'm going to say, what are you most proud of? Well, um, well, we love our, you know, we love our projects, and I've had the opportunity to work some with some pretty amazing 
clients and amazing and have amazing problems to solve. And we've come up with um, really great solutions as teams. We always work as a team and uh, the outcomes are phenomenal. And we've had the opportunity to do some great ribbon cuttings with people that are, you know, they're crying because it's got such an impact on their lives. And to, you know, I think to see and to listen to those individuals, whether they're moving into a really amazing housing complex or they're listening to music in a theatrical arena that is beyond belief as far as the quality of it, or they're attending classes at a college and really loving the residence hall and the food venue, or the K through 12 kids, you know, this fifth and sixth grader is just, they're lit up because the school is just so cool. They love it. I mean, that's, there's no question that's rewarding because that's really the accolades. Uh, we can sit back and say, oh, this is, you know, look how cool this is. But it's really, it's the input that comes from listening to them. I, I, um, I remember walking into uh, one of the projects we were doing at Nazareth, and then President Don Braveman, who was a good friend of mine and uh, a wonderful, wonderful president for that college. And he hadn't been in the, this particular building that we had put a large addition on and really changed the game. It was a complete game changer and a completely new way of thinking about this program and the academics and everything associated with it. And he and I walked through the vestibule, and he, we both came inside, and uh, he's standing next to me on my left, and he, he just looks around, looks up, looks around, and he goes, wow, wow. That was yeah. one of those moments, Yeah, you know? I didn't ask him to say anything. He was practically speechless. I mean, it just, yeah, it just he, hit him. Correct. And so I think that that's, that's part of our pride is how we can impact people in such a positive way. The other thing, though, that on, a, on the business side is it's, as I said, easier. It's not easy to be in business. You got to, as you say, you got to make a profit. You have to appropriately um, compensate people for the work they're doing. I am... And have for years, I'm all about helping people to be as absolutely financially successful and independent as they possibly can be. I love the idea of wealth and that all of our employees would be wealthy. Now, it's not wealth is not just money. That's right. Wealth is way more than just money, but money is one important part of it. And their ability to to be successful and if they're if they're married or not or whatever their path is to be able to settle down if they want to buy real estate and own a home and then raise children. And I mean, th that's all wealth issues and they feel comfortable to us. That's important. It's Abundance really important. Of resources, whether it's time, material resources, money, right? That's wealth when you think about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Sure. And, and so th I think that's one of the things that we're very proud of. And I'm proud of is that we, we really focus on helping our people be wealthy in life yeah. Uh, and then the third area, I think, is the transition. We've gone through the succession planning. We've worked hard at our succession planning. And so I met with my president. I used to be, but my president recently for a, a annual review. 
Yeah, so you and, stepped down and someone else has taken over. Right, f- and he was, yeah. I, I'm so proud of him. He's doing a phenomenal job. He is uh, better than I am, better than I was at the job. And I did mentor him, but others did as well. I wasn't, sing- I wasn't singularly the person, but he, you know, he's got the right talents and abilities for us at this time. And so I said to him, I am so completely and totally at peace about him being in that role. And one of the things I work really hard to do is to not get in his way and to, <laughs> yeah. cause it's, you know, I mean, when you're in well, the same, when I, when I used to do that, you know, <laughs> when you're right. And I work really hard not to do that. And I work really hard to just be behind him and supporting him. But succession planning is not easy. Mm. And to do it well, I think we're really proud of how we've Navigated been able to work well. at it and yeah. to work hard at it. you got to work hard at your business. That's one of the things that uh, I think we've learned is you got to always be working hard on the business, not just doing the business. Absolutely. You know? Well, to that point, as the last questions are wrapping up here, what, what's one piece of advice you would give another entrepreneur, uh, maybe another design professional that wants to to grow their capabilities. You know, I think that part of your story is is growth. It's the growth of this organization's personal growth. It's the growth of the kind and the, of work and the meaning to the work that you're doing. What's a piece of advice that you give somebody that you've taken from your journey and your experiences over the last 40 years in this business? I was asked this question for a... Um, in another interview, I can't remember where it was, but I'll give you the same answer, and that is that it's not all about you. It's just not. There's such a tendency to put ourselves in the center of the universe and to feel like everything else revolves around us. It's a natural tendency. I get that. But my recommendation is that you need to get out of your comfort zone and you need to go and walk in somebody else's shoes. You need to go and serve in some third world countries. You need to go on the streets of the city that you're on and serve in some capacity. You need to realize that whatever station you have in life, it's not all about you. Life is too short to not give yourself away and to recognize that uh, there's a lot of injustice in the world. And uh, we have to be, we got to be working hard to work for those who are the least and the lost, those who aren't being given and shown justice. And it's just simply not all about you. And uh, if, if that's embraced by an individual, by a young person or an entrepreneur, I think they will hit the ball out of there. They'll, they'll make such a difference in the world, I think, uh, if they really come to that understanding. My guest today is Dave Benetti. He's a principal at SWBR. Dave, thank you so much for joining me on The Currency today. Well, you're welcome. This has been fun, as always. Yeah, it's a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much. Guys, do me a favor. Learn more about this company. You can't go wrong by spending a couple minutes on their website. Go to swbr.com. They're pretty active on LinkedIn and other social media platforms. There are links on the website. I'll put a link to swbr.com 
in the show notes. But take a look. There's some beautiful work. There's talk about the philosophy. You can see some of the team members, case studies, etc. I think you'll really enjoy it. Also, if you haven't done so already, subscribe to this podcast. You can find The Currency anywhere that fine podcasts are provided. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify. Uh, you'll be glad you did. I talk to people like Dave on a regular basis. We get to hear their story, get their insights, and uh, gain some benefit from the life that they've lived as they share with us. Guys, I love you all, and I'll catch you in the next episode.